So I'm going to just go ahead and get into it. Uh, the title of this message or title of this lesson, Lesson 10 of the uh, Christian Development Course, A Reason of the Hope, is called The Importance of the Word of God. And that's a heavy title. Um, that's a heavy title. So we're going to go ahead and just get started. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, out of the uh, book of Job, chapter 23, verse 12. I'm going to give you guys a minute to get there. Amen. And so uh, chapter 23, verse 12 says this, I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than daily bread. And I'm also, uh, give me a second real quick. I'm also read another scripture that I want to open up with. And it's in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 12, or excuse me, verse 16. So I'll give you another second. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And it reads this, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you can bow your heads for the reading of the word. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God. I thank you for another day of life, Lord. I thank you for another day being in your house, God. I thank you for the opportunity to read your message, God, to read your words, the importance of it and what it means for us, God. I pray that these words touch everyone that are here. I pray for. I pray that this message reaches those that are watching, God. I pray that that whatever is needed from each individual, and if they hear it in this message tonight, if they hear it from your words tonight, God, may it be, may it pierce them, Lord God, may it be planted in them, God, may it be uh, watered today, whatever it is that they are needing from you, God, I pray that they hear it, I pray that they receive it, and I pray that they are open to receiving it, God, we thank you for all that you do, and what you will continue to do in our lives each and every day, and we say this in your mighty, powerful name, Jesus, amen. Amen. So I, I, I read that second scripture, and I'm going to end up reading it again as I go through this message. And I, I feel like that was very important. So I want you guys to, to hold on to that, to, to stay there for a moment as I go through uh, this Bible study tonight. And, and as I start in the, in the message, as I start in the lesson, excuse me, it says, Our faith, hope, and salvations are based upon Jesus Christ. And we learn of him and come to believe in him through the Bible. Therefore, we depend on the Bible as the only source of divine truth. Since this is so, we should thoroughly examine the book in which we put so much trust. This lesson will present important facts concerning the Bible for study and for memorization. Retain as much of the facts as possible as a witnessing tool when confronting the veracity of the word of the Lord. So the second part of it says, titles it the Bible. And if you're taking notes or you're taking mental notes or you, you don't have the lesson at home, next to the word, the Bible, I want you to either to write or to remember the will of God. So it says other uh, designations, meaning other names of the scriptures are equal as important or equally as important as these following three. But these three are heard quite often. It says our world Bible, our word, our, our word Bible comes from the Greek word biblia, which means books. 
Combined together, these books make up the book. So if, you, if you're with me, I do, I do want to read these two scriptures that is listed next to, next to this word, the book. Uh, Psalms 47 and Hebrews 10, 7. So we're going to go to Psalms first. So again, Psalms 47, 40, uh, chapter 40, verse 7. And it reads like this. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. So then I'm going to go to Hebrews. Excuse me. Uh, Hebrews verse, or chapter 10 and verse, I'm actually going to read, uh, let's see, I'm actually going to read at verse 5. So it says like this, therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. Amen. So therefore, the word Bible is a proper designation or a proper name of the written inspired word of God. It's, it's a group of books put together to make up the book. And, and the next uh, important part. Is, is said is titled scriptures. Scriptures is from a Latin word meaning the writings. God often told people, uh, actually, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm gonna go back real quick because I did want to bring this point up and I wrote it on my notes in the side. It says, um, if you remember, King David was ready uh, to do God's will. He believed, he believed uh, his will was in the books of. Uh, the five books of Moses in the beginning of the Bible, the five books of Moses. So um, I skipped ahead a little bit, so I'm going to read it again. And so this is, this is where I got this idea, or I, I, got, I wrote this note down for King David, and I'm going to read it again. So forgive me for going back over it, but I believe it's important. And it says, therefore, this is in Hebrews 10, uh, verse 5. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offerings you did not desire. But a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. So before they was doing uh, burnt offerings and sin offerings and, and it wasn't pleasing to God. He said, I, I need something else. He said, then, then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scrolls. So I have come to do your will, my God. So if, if you if again, you notice in Psalms. We have that same scripture, verse seven. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scrolls. But Jesus further along says, I have come to do your will, my God. And that's the important part I wanted to highlight. So when I told you to write next to the Bible, the will of God, I wanted to highlight that part because Jesus said, I have come to do your will, my God. The Bible is the will of God. And that's an important part, and I, that's the reason why I wanted to make sure I go back, because we have to understand that. So the importance of the Word of God, well, the Word of God, the Bible, is the will of God. Yes, it is. And that's why we need to make sure that we understand that 
and understand the title of what that means, the will of God. So I'll keep going. Um, part two, scriptures. Scriptures is from the Latin word meaning the writings. God often told people to write um, as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. So again, as you go to the as you go through the Bible, not every obviously not everything is written handwritten by God, but He inspires those to write and to to add to the Bible. Uh, so so th for for his will, whatever that will is, and we will get to that. I'm not just throwing that out there, but I'm saying for the will of God, he has inspired those throughout time and throughout history to write. And those writings are included in the book. And we will go through that because it's important. It's an important distinction to understand which writings are supposed to be in the book and which ones are not. So, again, all scriptures is given. Uh, by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for corrections, for instructions and righteousness. So the part three says God's word have been preserved and delivered to human to humanity. Therefore, the Bible is rightly called the word of God. It says books are readily available in our society, but the book that should hold prominence in our lives is the Bible. And and it's important to understand that because throughout history, books have come and gone. Books have been lost. Uh, books have been wiped out of history. The Bible was the first book ever printed. And the Bible will continue to be here far, far longer than we are here. So we have to understand that this book, this book, hope um, this book holds power. It holds weight over anything that's ever been written because it was the first one and it will continue to be here for forever. So I'm going to go on through, through this uh, lesson and, and we're going to talk about certain topics of the Bible. And, and the next one is called facts about the Bible. Okay. So the facts about the Bible, and, and this is not when I, I'm, I'm going to admit when I first read this, uh, lesson and I started to go over this lesson you know I got to this part right here and I was I was looking at it and I was saying man you know this you know the Bible contains th this is what it says the Bible contains 66 books 39 are in the Old Testament 27 are in the New Testament and I was reading that and I was thinking like that just sounds like a Jeopardy question that just sounds like fun fact that just sounds like trivia but it's very important to understand this so I'm going to continue to read. The Bible continues, contains 66 books. 39 are in the Old Testament. 27 are in the New Testament. There are 1,189 chapters. There are 31,173 verses. And there are 773,692 words in the Bible. The reason why I said that it was important to know that is because, and this is just me speaking for myself, you know, if I could... If, if I could um, know that on January 22nd, 2006, Kobe Bryant scored 81 points, and I can know that off the top of my head, I should be able to know how many books are, are in the Bible. If I know that Jerry Rice scored 22, or had 22,895 receiving yards off the top of my head, I should be able to know how many chapters in this book. If I... If I can tell you 
all the messy drama going on in this world, I should be able to tell you that there are 773,692 words in the Bible. Because I should be holding, if I'm a Christian, if I'm a believer, if I follow Christ, I should be holding this Bible ahead of everything else in my life. So it convicted me. This is me as a deacon standing up here telling you as the church and visitors, whoever's watching, this, this part convicted me. Because I can talk to you about sports all day. I can tell you stats. I can tell you who's leading and what. I can do all of those things. But for me to know, for me to know those things and not know this convicted my heart. So that's why it's important to know facts about the Bible. It's not just trivia. It's not just simple uh, stuff that you just know on the side. It's important because we should hold this book more valuable than everything in our lives. So I will continue. The Old Testament has 929 chapters. It has 23,214 verses, 592,439 words. The New Testament has 260 chapters, 7,959 verses, 181,253 words. So again, it's important to understand and know those facts. There are at least and possibly more than 36 different writers of the scriptures who wrote on three different continents, continent of Africa, Asia, and Europe. Their writings span over 1,500 years. The Old Testament was written primarily in Hebrew with a few small sections um, of Aramaic, while the New Testament was written in Greek. When printing was invented in, in um, 1450 AD, the Bible was the first book printed. It was previously copied by hand. And that part is impressive because they were, they were commissioned to go and spread the word. And not everything they memorize. So you have people specifically uh, designed, or not designed, but specifically told to write these books out. You know, it's easy to print one of these now. Um, you know, I, I won't get into that part, but it's easy to print one of these now. Um, they, they do it in a factory. Um, they, so it's, it's a simple job, so to speak to print out a Bible. And you have people in those days who have to write it, who handwrit it. So they, they treated it special. They treated it with honor. You know, there, there's people who have, this, have a Bible at their house stuck on one page and never read, or it just sits there. There's people who died for creating these books and writing these books and having to travel from places to places to, to hand deliver them. So it's important to know the facts of the Bible. In AD, in 1250 AD, Cardinal Hugo divided the Bible into chapters. In 1551 AD, Sir Robert Stephens, uh, Stevens divided the Bible into verses. So the next part I want to get to is translation. Many translations of the Bible are, are available today, thanks to modern scholarship. We can take our choice from the oldest translations to the latest condensed version, motivation, scholastic ability of the translators, and the manuscript text from which the translations come, comes are important factors. After years of investigating and study, 
I strongly recommend the use of the King James Version. I think other translations should be used only after thorough knowledge of the Bible is established. They should then be used for study and reference. Some modern translations posing as helpful by clarifying older words actually destroy truth and meaning contained in those words. Satan has always viciously attacked the word of God through every devious means possible. Our day has not been seen as a uh, slacking of the enemy's attack. You know, I had a conversation with Pastor before, um, before today's message, and we was talking about that. We was talking about um, how, how the enemy, how the devil, how Satan, he, can't, he doesn't take away from the Bible, but he will come in and he will twist the words. He will twist the meaning. He, would, he will make you think differently of what the Bible is. So we have to be careful on the, of the translations of the Bible that we're reading, and we always have to go back um, and check. Like if, if you're reading from the, from the New King James Version, uh, you can read from the NIV. You can read from um, the King James Version just to verify, to make sure that you're getting the proper information and translation on what's going on. And this also got me thinking. I remember uh, we used to do... Um, we used to do Spanish services here and a uh, pastor will come up and he will, he will have his Spanish service. He will, he will um, speak his message in English and, and um, sister Soraya and sister Iris, um, they shared duties of translating those in Spanish. And when I was reading this, it got me thinking, it was like, you got to understand how people were back in the day. To, to kind of get a feel of, of what I'm talking about. Because, like I said, you have people who wrote, hand wrote the Bible, but then they took it to other places, uh, different continents, and they either had to give it to someone else, and, that, and the individual over there had to translate it so that the people could understand what was being said, or that individual translated them. Um, I, I read something where they said people in England and Germany and France, uh, they used to invite priests to come over and translate the word of God. How powerful is that to be a translator of the word of God? People are trusting you to speak in their language and teach them about the word of God. Amen. See, I, I think as we start to go through this, I hope and I pray that you guys can kind of get the understanding of revelation like I did about how powerful this is. This isn't just a book. This isn't just a decoration. This isn't just something that you just set in your house and never use and never open and leave it to the side because there's history behind this book. There's history behind people trying to get this book to other people. There's history uh, of people trying to get the word of God to other people. There are people who sacrifice their lives yes. to give the word of God to people. Amen. And we have it easy. We can get it printed. I can get it on the iPad. I can get it on my phone. But there were people who blood, sweat, and tears had to be put into giving or getting this word, getting this message to other people, to other believers. And then to put your, as you as the believer, to put your trust and faith that the person that is teaching you, because you couldn't read, you couldn't read, the, you either couldn't read or you couldn't understand what was being said because it was written in a different language. But you, how powerful is that, that you have faith in that individual that they were teaching you the word of God? Amen. That's powerful. So, so I, I pray that as we continue to go on, 
this this message um, uh, opens up to you. Now, there, there's there's some questions that people have. Um, are there any lost books of the Bible? It says in, the, in uh, defending the Bible as a complete infallible book, uh, we we will confront th- that type of question. What about the lost book of the Bible? This question usually refers to the following books mentioned but not found in the Bible. And I'll just go through them real quick. Book of, book of the world, the wars of the Lord, book of Jasher, book of the Acts of Solomon, book of Nathan the prophet, uh, prophecy of um, Ehijah, the Shilonite, book of Agad the seer, visions of Idu the, the seer, book of um, Jehu, book of Samuel. There's, there's multiple ones. I think I skipped over one. But although the Bible mentioned these 10 different writings, it does not mean the Bible is incomplete. And I think that's an important part. Although the Bible mentioned these 10 different writings, it does not mean the Bible is incomplete. Many people wrote of the acts of God and people. And although their accounts may have been factual and true, God did not see fit to include them in part of the Bible. Just because someone spoke and wrote truth is not an indication that it must be a part of the Bible. You know, we can read plenty of good books. We can read plenty of people of faith that, um, you know, that will share something, that, that will um, share a word or a message. And it, and it sounds great. It sounds powerful. It touches our soul. But that doesn't mean that we then take that included in the Bible. That's not what that means. You just have... Uh, writers. You have people that were inspired. God inspired those individuals. They wrote something down, but that doesn't mean it should be defined in the Bible. So that's what that's telling. Uh, no doubt the 10 writing mentioned, writings mentioned above did at one time exist, yet they are not necessary for us to have, to have. It says God's word is sufficient to give us all things that pertain to life and godliness and to make, to make us wise unto salvation. What more do we need or could we ask for? So, again, in, 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 this, in this page, it, it goes back to Second um, Timothy 3, uh, 16 through 17, and I want to read it again. It says, all scriptures is God breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And it's the last part that gets me. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if we're out there teaching, if we're, out, if we're up here teaching, or if we're out there sharing the gospel, if we're out there um, speaking the truth and, and sharing God's word, he's saying that we need to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's why it's important to know the word of God. Biblical writers refer to various writings by, uh, by others that are not part of the Bible. Paul, Paul quoted certain Greek poets, including ones who said, for we are also his offspring. We certainly do not need all the writings of these poets to make, to make the Bible complete, even though Paul quoted from them. Luke said, many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are the most surely 
believed among us. He was referring to writers other than those writing are in the New Testament. Because all their writers, all because all their writings are not recorded for us does not invalidate one recorded verse of scripture. So what he's what this writer is saying is because you heard uh, of a book in the Bible or because you heard of a writing um, mentioned by the apostles, because that those writings or books are not in the Bible doesn't mean it invalidates what they said. In short, the Bible, in short, the Bible we do we do have is sufficient to bring us the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God's word needs no additions, deletions, or corrections. Only our adherence and obedience to the revealed and recorded truth of the Bible is needed. There is no error, contradictions, or fallibility in the Bible. God's word is complete, eternal, and totally trustworthy. So, as we continue, it, it, it breaks up, it, it then gives a description or it breaks up um, the Bible in Old Testament and New Testament, and it kind of puts it in category for us to, to kind of understand better. Um, so in the illustration that we have in this lesson, it, it breaks it up like this. You have the, the five books of Moses, the Torah, and that is uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You have history which is Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Nehemiah, excuse me, Esther. And then you had poetry, uh, Book of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And then you had major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Excuse me. Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Uh, you have minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, uh, Micah, Nahim, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Malachi. So they was breaking these up. He was breaking these up and. Uh, different distinctions so you can understand not only um, the names of the of the books, but also kind of breaks it down so you can know, like, these are the five books of Moses. This this gives you a recap of history. This gives you, it's sort of like poetry. You have, these are the major prophets. These are the minor prophets. And then it goes into the New Testament. Uh, excuse me. Um, you have the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You also have history. You have Acts. Um, you have the epistles, you have Romans, First uh, Corinthians, Second Corinthians. I'm, I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, and then you have prophecy, which is revelation. Um, this is a, the second part of the lesson that, that kind of stood out to me because I've heard this question before. And before I get to the why was the Bible written, um, I've, heard, I've had conversations with people and they've asked me, um, Oh, excuse me. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I, I apologize. I'm going to go back to why was the Bible written? Said so the Bible was written for many reasons. Gives us historical record of God, um, dealings with man, um, to reveal to us who God is and what his will is. Teach us how to live a holy, go- uh, godly-centered life. Is also to give us ins- inspiring stories um, 
it gives us an inspiring stories of the heroes of faith. Um, these, this is a kind of added note that I put in on what, what, uh, why the Bible was written um, and what the reasons were for. So back to the lessons, it says, could we give many answers to this question? But I will include only four direct statements from the Bible. He said, add other thoughts, as the, as, add other thoughts to these as you study. Uh, the fir his first um, direct statement is, these things I have written unto you that I believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So this is in First uh, John uh, chapter 5, verse 13. And I'm going to read that in the NIV real quick. It says in the NIV, it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So he's saying that he wrote this book um, so that you can know the Son of God, that you can know Jesus. And those who believe and believe in Jesus will then have eternal life. This is one of the many reasons for writing the book of, of God. And many others, uh, part two is, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book, but these are written, that ye may that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. So again, it's, it's, it's a continuation saying that you believe in the Son of God, and through him you will have eternal life. But you have to do it through his name. Part 3 says, Now of all these things happening unto them for the sample, and they are written for our admonishing upon whom the ends of the worlds are come. And then part four says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Excuse me. So again, um, I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump here real quick. Excuse me. I'm going to go to John uh, chapter 20 and verse 30 and 31. So I, re I read this a little bit already. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his di uh, disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So I, I, I highlighted that again because I felt like that sums everything up. Jesus performed other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in the book. But these are written that you may believe. So he did these signs and they were written down. So you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing in that, by believing that he is the Messiah, the son of God, you may have life in his name. So I, I, I might have gotten twisted a little bit, but I think I'm back on track. Um, and then I'm going to go back to John, um, John chapter 5. 
to give it further clar clarification. So this, this is what uh, Pastor alluded to earlier, and I, I just wanted to give it a little bit more. And, and, um, in John chapter 5, verse 31, it says, If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. This is Jesus speaking. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have, set, you have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth, not not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony uh, weightier than that of John for the works that, he, that the Father has given me to finish. That very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. This is Jesus speaking uh, again. And the father who sent me has has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form nor his words dwell in you. For you do not believe the one he sent. You studied the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your heart. I have come in my father's name and you do not accept me. But if someone else came in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from other from another from one another, but not seek the glory that comes from the only God? This this was God rebuking uh, the religious leaders of his time. He, he's telling them. That you, you can try to read the word, but because you reject me, you don't follow the scriptures. Because if you did follow the scriptures, you would know that I am the one you are looking for. I am the one that you should, that you should be accepting. I am the one that you should, because I am sent from my father. That is what the, the, the scriptures are saying. Um, and he tells them, he, he calls them out. He says that... He says, how can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but not but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? So he's telling these religious leaders, he's saying, look, you guys can accept the glory from other religious leaders, from people, your peers, from people that you know, you accept the teachings, you you hold them to high regard. But here comes the son of God. And I'm telling you that you are doing this wrong. <laughs> You're not following these scriptures to where it should be, and you're rejecting it. Why are you rejecting it? Because it doesn't follow what you believe. It doesn't follow your translation. It doesn't follow uh, uh, what you want to share to the people. Because you, if, that, if that is the case, then you have people who are listening to you that will rebuke you. They will say, you're not teaching what, what God is supposed to be teaching. So, so. He's telling these people and they're getting upset. They're, they're obviously they're getting upset. Like, who is this guy to tell me that he's the son of God? And he's trying to tell them that if you listen to the words that you are speaking to others, that you are teaching others, if you truly have that in your heart, then you would know that I am the son of God. And because you don't have that in your heart, 
That's why you don't know this. He, he says, how can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? But do not think I will accuse you before the father. Your accusers is Moses on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you will believe me for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? So these are, are people that are saying that, look, I'm, I'm teaching the word of God. I'm, I'm giving you scriptures. I'm telling you, but I'm giving you my interpretation of it. And God is calling them out. You're supposed to, you're supposed to be um, high strong on Moses' words, but Moses' words taught about me. So obviously you don't believe in Moses. I know that as Jesus, this, I'm interpreting Jesus here real quick. But he's saying, like, I know that you guys don't believe that, believe the words that you're teaching, because if you did, then you would believe me. So that's that's the power. That's another example of the power of the of the word of God, the power of the Bible, because someone could be teaching you something. But if you truly know the word and they're teaching you something false, you're able to call them out. You're able to say that's not right. That's not true. You, as the person in the pews, as the person in church, I'm not saying go to churches and be like, no, you're wrong in the middle of service. But I'm saying if you're in a church and you understand what's going on, you're like, no, no, I I don't think I'm supposed to be here. So what this message is telling you, and as I've been going on, is that we have to know the word. We have to know the, the simple facts of the words. We have to understand the truth of the word. Um, because we can we can fall victim to people that are teaching us uh, their version, their watered down version, uh, versions that they want you to hear to keep you coming back to them. So it's important to know that. So when he says, but he answered and said it was written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So he's saying that we're not going to uh, live off of just bread alone, off, off of food, you're going to be fed through my word. So I want to keep going. So this next part is just uh, descriptive titles of the Bible. Um, I won't go through all of it, uh, but these are just terms that you may have heard. Uh, the scriptures, the oracles of God, the law of the Lord, the books uh, the word of God, the sword of the spirit, uh, the covenants, the word of life, the word of truth, the word of faith. Um, I'm just kind of going through these uh, so so we can um, kind of read them. And it says symbols are used to describe what the Bible is like. We often hear such terms as uh, min- uh, ministers teaches or preaches or preaches God's word. Committing them to memory will make you will make what you hear more meaningful. So what they're saying is that, you know, we, uh, when I first came into, uh, into the Lord and I first came to church, you know, I, I, I heard what I described as like church talk, you know, like certain things, like what, what is, what does that mean? Um, you know, lamp and light, mirror, food, milk, bread, like these are common terms that you hear, but they have a, a different meaning in church. And so as I as I was taught or as I read through the Bible, as I studied more, I kind of understood what those were. And for someone hearing, it might sound minor, but when you're inspiring to to uh, be in the Lord and you're inspiring to to 
to uh, to be a church goer and to change your life, some of these things you kind of pick up on and you're like, what does that mean? Like, you know, um, what what is what is the meaning behind all of that? So this is what he's saying. These are symbols. Uh, these are terms that you might hear in the word of God. And, and it's important or should be important that you understand it. So when you hear it, you're like, oh, OK, I know what that means. Instead of being like me, like, man, what are you talking about? Word of God, milk, what? Food, what? We eating? Somebody cooking? Um, so that's what it means. The lamp and the light, uh, mirror, food, uh, milk, bread, meat, um, honey, gold, fire, hammer, sword, seed, rain, and snow. Like all of these things are just little terms that you can uh, learn and pick up in the scriptures. I, I don't want to waste too much time or go through them, uh, but I, I did want to bring it up and, and just add that little funny story because it was something for me. Like, it may not be a big deal for everybody, but it was something for me. Like, oh, I need to know this. What are, you, are you talking about the meat? I need to know, I need to know that. Um, this, this next part is titled The Use of the Bible, and, and this, is, this is pretty important. So I, I would, I'm, we're going to go through it. It says, in relation, in relation to truth, we need four essentials. God has provided all of them for us through the scripture, um, like we mentioned in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16. We profit tremendously when we use God's word for his design purpose in our lives. And this is where I got uh, off track and I kind of jumped ahead and went back. But I wrote a note because this is a conversation I had with someone, and they said, is there still use for the Bible today? And that was a heavy question. Um, not because I, I, it made me believe, like, no, there's not. But it's like, why would you ask that question? And, um, and it says, and, and they said this. They said, do we need to still listen to stories about a fish swallowing a, a, a prophet? Or, or how we get Daniel out of the den of lions? Um, what do we say to those who ask us about the use of the Bible? And like I said, it said, in relation to truth, we need four essentials. God has provided all of them for us through scripture. We profit tremendously when we use God's word for its designated purpose. And so when, when someone asked me that question, I, I answered, I was like, absolutely, there's use for the Bible. Um, and I mentioned this earlier, the Bible was the first book ever printed, and it never went away. It stood strong through the test of times. Why? Because that's the power of the word. Uh, the word never changes, but we as people do. We as society do. And in our society now, we have a lot of people who question the way we do things, question do we still need this, question do we still need that. Question, should we change this? Should we change that? How do we accept people? This, this, and that. But the Bible stays the same. And it was important for me to answer that question with conviction because I truly do believe it. Yeah, we still need the Bible because it gives us direction throughout our lives. As Christians, this is what we should look for. You know, and I, I know at times when we go through hard times or we struggle, you know, we like to, to call our friends, our family members. We like to cry to them. We like to tell them this is what's going on. We like to listen to their advice. But the Bible can give us all those answers as well. And it's important to understand that because a lot of times people are going to give their own their own jaded view 
of life and society and what's going on. They're going to give their own hurt opinions on what's going on. And so if we continue to just go and run to to people and, and ask for advice, but never check that advice with what the Bible says, then we're always going to clash. We're always going to bump heads. So when they asked me, that's what, that's what I told them. I was like, no, I, go, I do go through the Bible. Because if I'm, if, if I'm walking this life, if I'm, if I'm following Christ and I'm following Jesus, and I believe his words are to be the truth, I should be, always be able to go to him to find understanding and what's going on in my life. What's going on in my relationship? What's going on in my personal life? If I'm feeling depressed, if I'm feeling down, if I'm feeling angry, hateful, all those things, you can find answers in the Bible. You can find answers in the book. So, again, I'm not saying don't talk to other people. I'm not saying don't, don't talk to uh, your friends and your family members. But just know that if they're telling you something, you should always go back and be like, well, let me see what the scripture says. Because it's natural. Naturally, you want to speak to someone uh, and say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. What kind of advice can you give me? And, you know, sometimes we just, hey, man, you need to pray about it. (laughs) You need to go to, like, you know, if it's too complex, you need to pray about it. You need to look into the Bible. And, you know, other times we give, we try to give good advice. We try to tell them, like, oh, this is what you need to do or have I experienced this. But like I said, there's people that you get advice from that are already jaded, that are already hurt, that are already bitter. And why do I want bitter, hurt, jaded advice? That does nothing for me. The the Bible is not that. It's not hurt. It's not jaded. It's not confused. It's not conflicted. It's it's not um, angry. You know, it it it's gonna rebuke you. It's gonna it's gonna tell you what you're doing wrong. And a lot of times people hear that. And they feel like it's hate towards them. But the truth sounds like hate sometimes. You know what I mean? So if we're doing something wrong and we get convicted by reading scriptures or or a message or a word, then we need to evaluate our lives. Like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Like, if I'm here on Sunday and pastor's preaching the word and I'm over here trying to duck and hide behind the seats, that means I'm doing something wrong and I need to figure out what it is. But a lot of times, you know, people feel like they're getting blasted behind the pulpit. And it's really just the Bible that's telling you, like, this is what's going on in your life. And if it's hitting you that hard, then you need to reevaluate your life because this never changed. This is not coming to you angry. This isn't church hurt. This isn't someone that, that's been in church for a long time and saying, you know what? They never did nothing for me. You should leave. You know, you don't need that. What do you need the Bible for? Amen. This never changes. So, again, that, that was a little extra that wasn't in the notes. <laughs> but I, I wanted to say that. So the use of the Bible is for the doctrine. Instructions, lifestyle applications. We are to use the word of the Lord to teach, instruct, and direct us in, in settled Bible truths. We are without foundation if we have no established doctrine, teaching on salvation and holy living. There's no foundation in our lives. For reproof, to reprimand or rebuke, we are to use the Bible for evidence and as means uh, of showing fault or rebuking us. For correction, God's word corrects 
false theories, restores things to their proper use, and corrects matters arising in the believer's life and in church. For instruction and righteousness. Righteousness, righteousness means to be, to be morally right and, or justifiable. God's word schools us in the righteousness. It's perfect, mature, it's perfects, mature us, and instructs us how to live. The proper, the power of the word of God. I mentioned this earlier. This book has power. These words have power. The power of the word of God is indescribable. No word or phrase devised by humans could sufficiently reveal the power of the written word. And that's important because sometimes when we share our testimonies or we share our encounters or with God or we share how God touched us, other people may not feel the same way. And if we're sharing these stories, we can get frustrated because we're like, dude, you don't see how excited I am? I'm trying to share you what God changed in my life. And, and you have people that receive it like, all right, bro. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. And I'm, I'm speaking from experience um, because you get so excited and then you get discouraged because you're like, man, how come you're not seeing what I'm seeing? Well, they haven't had an encounter with God yet. They haven't had these words change their lives and touch their lives yet. So it's important for us to know that. And even there are some people in the church that still haven't been hit yet. And as churchgoers, it's important for us to know that because we can get discouraged of members in the church because we feel like they don't get it. Some might get it in one month. Some might not get it in 10 years, 15, 20. But we continue to pray that they receive the message that God is trying to tell them. So. Like I said. Sometimes if we receive it and others don't, we don't always have to hold that against them. The following examples is what happens when we use the word of God best describe the power of the word. The word of the Lord is powerful in the following areas as long, uh, along with many others. The word of God defeats Satan. Amen. Jesus and his, and his temptations defeated Satan on every point by quoting scriptures. This is good. Three times during his temptation, Jesus declared, it is written. It is written means there's authority behind it. I'll say that again. It is written means there is authority behind it. So when you're going through something and you're going through struggles in life, are you going through temptations? Are you going through problems in your marriage? Are you going and you find scriptures in the book to combat whatever you're going against? Make sure, make sure you say it is written because that gives it authority. It takes the authority away from the fear, the doubt, the anger, the, the helplessness from all those negative emotions. It takes the authority away from that and put it back on the word of God. Because when Jesus told, the, uh, told Satan it is written, that meant it had authority behind it and there's nothing you can do about it. There was nothing he can do about it. All he can do is keep trying to uh, tempt him. And what did he do? He keep reading scriptures. And what did he say? It was written every time. That's his authority. I'm telling you, God gives authority in the phrase, it is written. Jesus in his temptations defeated Satan on every point by quoting scriptures. Three times during his temptation, Jesus declared, it is written. The written word is our most powerful force to defeat Satan. 
to withstand evil, not only in our personal lives, but also universally. Satan would would destroy each individual individual believer and bring chaos to the universe if possible. God upholds all things by the word of his power. When, when God decrees or commands something, it is performed by the power of his word. Almighty God has made or will make five decrees affecting cre- creation, the universe, and humanity. Study them and clarify the statement. The words are framed by decree of, the, of God. The flood of Noah's day came by God's decree. The world is uh, presently under God's decree, a reservation which holds which holds in it its present state until the day of judgment. When God, cho- when God chooses, the present earth will be burned up at his divine decree or word. When the present universe is destroyed by fire, God will decree a new heaven and earth. And I know those last two are kind of like, dang, bro. <laughs> but it, it matters. It, it matters to understand that. Like God's word is power. And when he says it, you better believe it. And if you don't believe it, you're going to be left behind. I don't want to be on scorched earth when God shows up. You know, I want to be a part of the uh, new heaven and earth. Um, the power of the word of God changed a person. David gave us an unusually, unusually powerful insight into what God's word can do in the life of individuals. He identified the word, explained why it, he identified the word, explained why it changed us and explained what it accomplishes in our life. So what the word of God is, the word of God is the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord. Uh, statutes of the Lord, commandments of the Lord, why it can change us. It is perfect. It is sure. It is right. It is pure. What it does to us converts the soul, makes wise the simple, rejoice the heart, enlightens the eyes. So I'm going to get ready to close. Um, the power, of the, the power of the word of God can be used as a weapon. The Bible is God's thoughts and ways expressed to us in written form. Through the power of, of God's word, we can please God and defeat Satan. It is the only visible part of our armor, but is one of our, excuse me, it is the only visible part of our armor, but it is, but it is one of our greatest weapons against Satan. <clears throat> the, the sword of the spirit. Helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the weapon of our warfare. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. For the word of God is alive and active. It instructs us to it instru- it instructs us what to think. And I'm gonna read I'm gonna read Philippians 4 8 to close. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received and heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God and the God of peace will be with you. So just to close out again, sorry, but I just wanted to tell you, like, I was saying earlier, this book is powerful. The words are powerful. And in any part of your life that you are affected by, any any illness, any um, depression, any hurt, any anger, anything that you're going through, you can find 
an answer to it in the, in the word of God. So I pray um, that you guys teach this word to your families, uh, teach this word to your friends, um, commit it to memory and try to read the Bible and, and your life will be changed. Thank you, church.